Theology of the Body Institute. This is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hi, everyone. Hey, everybody. We're back with another episode. Yeah, this is such a blessing for us to get to do this, and it's pretty neat for me getting involved in this work a little bit. I like it. It's really neat for me to be doing it with you. Thanks. I actually was looking at some of the questions, and one of our listeners had kind of a little affirmation or comment that I thought I'd just share with everybody. Um, A listener named Kathy said, I found out about your podcast about two weeks ago, and I'm so grateful that you both have this amazing gift of natural joy in doing what you do. Oh, that's special. I know. I'm so blessed to have found your podcast. I'm learning so much, and I feel like the world just became more colorful. Wow, I like that. And every person became more beautiful. Wow. Isn't that neat? That's awesome. What's What was this person's name? Kathy. Hey, Kathy. The color's coming to you. That's awesome. Yeah, I like that too. She says, listening to you both makes me want to do more of what I really desire to do, which is to give spiritual direction. Mm. Thank you for always witnessing to the truth, because a lot of souls experience freedom from it. So those are her words of insight. I really appreciate it and am grateful to know it. She says, her question is, in giving spiritual direction, I've always encouraged my directees with the words, you are a gift that no other gift can replace. Mm. And she That's says, similar to what we said. Yeah, she said, I always hear you say you're irreplaceable, indispensable, unrepeatable. So she finds, you know, that's uh-huh. a similar comment. I love, I love, I just want to say something about this, the the world like coming alive in, in color. Yeah. Uh, I remember the first time I was reading John Paul II's teaching back in the 90s, having that very same experience, like mm-hmm. seeing things in color. It's a great analogy. Mm-hmm. Actually... <laughs> Uh, in the 70s and even into the early 80s, we had a black and white TV. And I remember going to my grandmother's house. I was really into the Incredible Hulk mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the Bill Bixby 1970s yeah. Incredible Hulk. And um, we went to my grandmother's house on a Friday night for some reason. And I saw the Hulk on her color television. And I was like, oh, my gosh, he really is green. <laughs> 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 the world in color. It, no, it is It is like that. And, you know, in my 25 plus years of going deeper and deeper studying this teaching, I can only say that the, the colors get richer and you discover more colors, colors mm-hmm. you didn't know. It's not like the lights come on and then you see it all at once. The colors get richer and deeper the deeper we get into it. So mm-hmm. I love that image, Kathy. Thanks for sharing that with yeah. us. Yeah. Too. So she's, I'm sorry, I interrupted. She's uh, a question about spiritual direction yeah. when, she, when she's giving spiritual direction. That's right. She's a spiritual director. Okay. She asks, are there any resources I can use to help me incorporate TOB in giving spiritual direction, specifically to young adults and teens? Well, Kathy, the first thing that comes to mind is the course that we offer at the Theology of the Body Institute on Theology of the Body and Spiritual Direction. Mm-hmm. So we we offered that course one time, uh, I believe it was two years ago, and it's going to be coming up in our cycle of courses again soon. So stay tuned. Uh, if you're not already on our mailing list, go to our website, theologythebody.com. We'll take you right to it and sign up on our email list. 
and uh, you'll be informed as to when that course will be available again. So that's the first resource that comes to mind. Kathy, also, um, Christopher wrote a book recently that really flowed from his own experience of spiritual direction. That's um, true. Called Love is Patient. And I think it's a beautiful... Well, don't forget, don't, Love is Patient. Oh, but I'm not. But I'm not. <laughs> Sorry, that's the full title. <laughs> that's right. Love is Patient, but I'm not. And the book is written uh, somewhat like the journal of someone who's in spiritual direction, mm -hmm. reflecting on um, the beauty of God's plan for us and ways that we can... Um, fall short of that. Fall short of it. Also ways that we can recognize His grace at work in our lives, mm -hmm. which is... Uh, which are both essential elements of good spiritual direction. So whether just for your own reading or to share with some of your directees, I certainly think that that's a good book to consider. And I'd also say, Kathy, theology of the body is something that will come out of your pores in whatever you do, the more you take it into yourself. It's kind of like eating garlic, you know, <laughs> when you eat lots of garlic, <laughs> it comes out your pores if you really ingest this theology of the body and bring it into your own heart more and more deeply, it cannot not come out in all that you do, including in your spiritual direction. So expose yourself more and more deeply to this vision and teaching. If you haven't already taken the five-day retreat that we offer at the Institute, which is the Theology of the Body Level 1 course, I'd, I'd really encourage you to consider doing that, just to immerse yourself in the vision so that it becomes part of you, not just uh, an exciting idea, but really, really gets in your bones. Mm -hmm. That would be my best advice for how to bring that into your spiritual direction. So we have a question from Mary. She asks, does theology of the body have any insights on why women menstruate? Ooh. I know the science behind this, but what is the theology? <laughs> I like this one. She goes on, as a young single woman, I find my period inconvenient and painful. I often wonder why God made women this way. How can I embrace this part of my womanhood? Wow, Mary. Wow. Bless you. Thank you for that vulnerable question. Uh, my kind of excitement and my ah-ha-ha, ah, uh, I don't want to pounce too quickly on just giving my my theological take. I just want to show some reverence. As a man, I do not go through this, mm. and I have learned not to speak too quickly into these matters mm. because I don't experience them. So, I, I just want to push the pause button and show Mary uh, some reverence here in her mystery as a woman and ask you, Wendy, before I give some theological reflections, mm. do you have anything you want to share as a woman about yeah. the reality of menstrual cycles and what it what it's like to go through it? I don't, I don't experience it, mm. obviously. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a, a, a question that is common to women and yet deeply personal for each individual mm -hmm. woman's experience. I want to say, first of all, that sometimes the stages of the cycle can be more suffering for some women than for others. And while we can find meaning in, in the suffering aspects, it's also good to seek help for that when, when it's, you know, a more serious kind of suffering. So, you know, I myself certainly take medicines and 
try to do things that would help to relieve some of the symptoms that are difficult for me. And yeah, I just don't want to kind of go off and sort of embracing things that maybe right. are... are um, yeah, we're not masochists here. No, there no. is there is a meaning to the suffering, right. but it doesn't mean we're supposed to just, you know, bear it all without right. the help of right. medicine and... Yeah, yeah, that. And so, you know, sometimes, especially for women with our hormonal system, it, it can be so helpful to see doctors who are fully on board with the Catholic Church's moral vision, um, because unfortunately, gynecology is kind of very um, influenced by the contraceptive culture and right. um, in a certain just disregard for the hormonal um, balance and functioning in a woman. So I certainly want to just say that up front. Um, and then just to say that there's just a unique experience of knowing our limitations and recognizing that we're going to need to take time in certain ways to take care of ourselves in the midst of a life that can be very focused on a lot of tasks or a lot of other people. Um, that is at times inconvenient, but can also be a blessing. And I'll just share a little blessing that I experienced early on in my journey with Theology of the Body. When you and I were dating and engaged, I mm -hmm. remember reflecting on, well, this, this time of my cycle is challenging, and yet my femininity is a gift, my womanhood is a gift. How can this be a gift? And I don't want to say my answer is everyone's answer. Right. So, you know, certainly encourage everyone, each woman, to take that to prayer. Lord, how is this also a gift to me? An answer that I received and that has served as a blessing in our relationship and in my life is that my emotions at that time of the cycle are kind of exaggerated and I'm a little overreactive to things. <laughs> Sometimes but, I have to remind you it's that time of I the know, month. I know, But here's the thing. I think I may be not tuned in enough to my own feelings at other times. Right. So there is a gift oh, yeah. in kind of a spotlight being shown on the issues in my heart. A gift of knowing, hey, that's inside me. It's maybe not as extreme as it feels at this moment, but it's still real. Mm -hmm. And I think without those times of sort of intense feeling, I might neglect things that are going on in my heart for long periods of time because I'm focused on other things right. so much and other people. So to me, I've seen that as a gift from the Lord of just an opportunity to gain insight about my heart. It's beautiful. And I've seen that happen in you. Mm -hmm. I've seen that sometimes when it's that painful part of your cycle where you're maybe feeling your emotions in a heightened way yeah. and not quite experiencing it as a gift right. where a little reminder, mm -hmm. a loving little reminder opens your eyes and you're more tender with yourself mm -hmm. at that time. Mm -hmm. With great reverence, again, because as a man, I obviously don't experience these things, but I, I am so taken by the mystery of what woman is and what she says, what she, what her body and her whole living personality speaks. Mm. As a a student and a teacher of the theology of the body, I I offer these reflections just in answer to Mary's question about the theological meaning mm -hmm. of a woman's cycle. And here we have to go back to 
a kind of uh, eternal dimension that God is extending to us from all eternity this covenant love, uh, a marital covenant mm. from all eternity. God desires his son to have a bride, and we're that bride. And this is why woman, John Paul II says, woman is the model and the representative of the whole human race. She reveals to all of us, John Paul II says, what it means to be human. Because to be human means to open, to receive divine love, conceive divine love, and bear it forth. Mm. This is the theology of a woman's body. The body speaks, the body tells a story, the body reveals these mysteries. And written right into the mystery of a woman's body is the reality that to participate in that covenant love demands the sacrifice of flesh and blood. Mm. Uh, a woman's body reveals this month after month after month after month. That divine covenant love, life-giving love, the life-giving reality of being human involves the shedding of blood. This is so profound. And I think we can recognize that in the Old Testament, God is trying to teach the men something the women already know in the very reality of circumcision. This is a crazy, crazy thing, if you think about it, that God says to Abraham, here, I want to establish a covenant with you, yeah. and we're going we're gonna to inscribe a sign of that covenant right in your flesh, it says in the Old Testament. And I, I may have said this in a previous podcast, forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but I, I like to put myself in, in Abraham's shoes here and think, okay, God, what do you have in mind? Like a tattoo on the shoulder or bone through the nose or something, you want to put something in my flesh and... And God, I imagine, says, uh, no, Abraham, here's what I want you to do. See that sharp rock over there? Oh, no. And that dangly skin at the end of your, your genitals? Yeah, chop it off. What the heck is this? Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, what is? Okay, so there is some suffering here involved for the, the man as well. Um, and again, let's keep in mind that in the New Testament, the circumcision of the flesh is fulfilled in the circumcision of the heart. Mm. That's a whole other topic that I don't, I don't want to quite go down there right now. But my point in saying this is that as Christians, this was all settled in, in the New Testament, the circumcision of the flesh is no longer required, right? What, what really is the goal is the circumcision of the heart. But right there, mm -hmm. in this, right there in the scripture is this connection between our genitals and our hearts. Mm-hmm. And you, in your own way, Wendy, were bringing this up. You were saying that your, your monthly flow of blood, when you're kind of emotional, yeah. can help you get more in touch with your heart. Yeah. There is a profound, profound connection here. And what is the image that we have right in Scripture of the most profound expression of love? It's Christ's bleeding heart. The blood and the water, the blood and the water. This is clearly images of, of new birth. Mm -hmm. That explosion of blood and water from his loving heart. We have mysteriously the marriage, mystically, of the masculine and feminine reality right in his own heart. Blood and water is clearly a symbol of birth. Mm -hmm. But we also have here, as St. Augustine said, 
in the flow of blood and water, we have, so to speak, we see the spiritual seed of the bridegroom. Mm -hmm. And throughout the centuries, mystical artists, sacred artists, have connected the flow of blood from his heart with the flow of blood from his circumcision. Check out some sacred art where you see that flow of blood coming from the side of Christ. And oftentimes in sacred art, it will be traced right over the Lord's loins, Mm -hmm. connecting the circumcision of the flesh with the circumcision of the heart. And Jesus himself compared the Paschal mystery, what he was about to experience at the Last Supper, he's about to walk into the whole mystery of his death and resurrection. And he compared it himself to the reality of a woman in labor giving birth. New life always demands suffering. There are always these labor pains. There are always this, this bloodshed. The covenant is in blood. The covenant is written in blood. Life is in the blood. To participate in the sacrificial, life-giving love of God bodily means the shedding of blood. It's mysterious. We have to show this reality reverence, but we see this reality written right in a woman's body. The man is more removed from that whole process, right? He can plant his seed and then go his merry way. See ya. I had my pleasure. Bye-bye now. Mm -hmm. And leave the woman with all the suffering. It seems to me God is saying to Abraham and all the male descendants who would be circumcised, If you want to participate in my love, if you want to be a true image of my love, it's going to demand the sacrifice of flesh and the shedding of blood right where it hurts. And this is fulfilled super abundantly at the cross. And, you know, we tend not to think of this. We kind of shrink from this thinking, but it is bedrock Christian thinking. There is no Forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood, as as the scriptures say. But where did Christ first shed his blood for us? He first shed his blood for us on the eighth day after his birth when he was circumcised. Mm. Bleeding loins, bleeding genitals, if I can put it so frankly, you know, again, we don't tend to think of this. We don't want to go there. It's very uncomfortable for very mm-hmm. understandable reasons. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable. Here I am talking about it, and I'm kind of like, Ugh. <laughs> it's painful. But I think this is ultimately the point that to love divinely, which is written right into our bodies, this is what maleness and femaleness is. Mm-hmm. It's the call to love divinely. I think you're speaking in a lot of, you have the eyes to see symbolism in different aspects of our bodies mm-hmm. um, that maybe isn't so apparent to everyone. Yeah. And yet in Theology of the Body, there are aspects of seeing great symbolism in masculinity and femininity. And we're kind of probing deeper into some of the specifics of some of those symbols. And I I do hope some of our listeners are encouraged by just reflecting like my biology has deeper meaning. Yes. I think that's some of kind of what you're getting exactly. at there. And and maybe not all the meanings are as clear to one as 
they are to another. But just to take that to heart, my the way I have been made, the way I experience masculinity and femininity has some symbolic meaning and it links me to Christ. It links me to God's plan for me and for all humanity. So I think those are really helpful things for us to reflect on in kind of something that might seem a little mundane or the topic of health class or, you know, but yeah, it, it the, has, the, it's much deeper. We don't tend to think of our bodies in this way. And mm. that's precisely the invitation of theology of the body is to see our bodies as a sign of something much deeper. Right. That's the basic thesis of John Paul's teaching, that the body is a sign mm -hmm. of a spiritual and a divine mystery. Uh, but the problem is, as Jesus himself says, we, we look, but we do not see. You know, we, we've reduced our bodies to something merely biological. Right. Thank God for all that biology can tell us about our bodies. That's mm -hmm. all fine and good. But if we reduce the body to something merely biological, we won't see these deeper meanings, these deeper truths, and we'll miss out on who we really are. We are called to something so profound. And I just think, again, with, with reverence, because I don't experience it, but I just know as your husband, Wendy, and with, with uh, other women in my life who I obviously I know they go through this every month, I, I have a profound reverence for what you go through because of what it reveals. Uh, if it's just biology, uh, then, you know, it's kind of trifling and annoying. And mm -hmm. why do I want, why do I need to go through this? Why, mm -hmm. why am I a woman anyway? I wish I wasn't a woman. You know, we can get resentful right. when we just reduce it to biology. But when we see the deeper realities, the deeper symbolic meaning, and how profound it is, as St. Paul says, this is a great mystery that we're made this way then it enables us at a deeper level to embrace even that which on a natural level can be difficult and involves suffering. We see it as, as something profoundly meaningful. I, I just feel a call to just pray for women yes, for a moment let's here. let's do it. Just thinking about so many different situations in which women find themselves. There are those who are single and don't know whether they'll ever be biological mothers experiencing their monthly cycle and, and the kind of questions that that raises and is this useful? Mm -hmm, there are those mm -hmm. who are desperate to be married and desperate to be pregnant and their cycle comes as a reminder that they're not. Yes, there are those yes. who have had hysterectomies, who feel yeah. the loss of their cycles, the loss of that aspect of their femininity. All these things are just on my mind and heart as we're talking about this, such a sensitive and profound aspect of womanhood. And I just want to lift women up right Let's now. Let's do it, Wendy. I think it's inspired. Holy Spirit, please, we ask you to come into the hearts of women who are listening right now to this podcast, who have questions about their fertility, their womb, its meaning, its health, its capacity of bringing joy to their life and suffering to their lives. And I ask you, Lord, to enter into those mm. deep and profound mm. areas of every woman's heart. Mm. Shine your light, pour your love into women's bodies and mm. hearts and bring healing in whatever next step of healing you can bring in each person's life as they're open to your Holy Spirit to bring 
your truth and light into their full femininity, we pray, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm thinking here of how Christianity itself, the Christian mystery, the mystery of the Word made flesh, begins in the womb. Mm. And how St. Augustine called Mary's womb the bridal chamber where the marriage of heaven and earth is consummated. The womb, the mystery of Mary and her womb, and and by extension, the mystery of every woman and her womb, it's a cosmic reality. Think about it. A woman's cycle is connected to the moon. It's a monthly cycle. It truly is cosmic. It has implications for the whole universe. And the attack against woman is aimed directly at her womb. The enmity, the hatred of the enemy. Right in the book of Genesis, we see this. The hatred of Satan, the hatred of the enemy, is aimed at woman and her ability to bear offspring. And there is that reality as the result of the fall that woman's labor pains would be greatly increased. There's a suffering, a deep suffering involved here. But it is a redemptive suffering. It is a redemptive suffering. I just ask for Mary's intercession for all the women who are listening to this and all women around the world who right now, each in their own way, are experiencing suffering in being a woman, suffering connected with their monthly cycle, suffering connected with the attack against woman, women who are pregnant and don't want to be, women who are not pregnant and long to be, Uh, spiritual mothers, I'm thinking of consecrated women who still obviously have their monthly cycle, but they're called to see in their monthly cycle uh, a sign in their very bodies of the spiritual motherhood to which they are called. You know, we call Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa for a reason. It's all connected. All these different manifestations of motherhood are connected to the womb and revealed through the theology of a woman's body. And the theology of woman's body is fully revealed in Mary. So, Mary, we ask for your intercession that every woman would know her true dignity, that every woman would know the true meaning of her body, of her womb, as that bridal chamber where the marriage of heaven and earth is consummated. As I often say in, in my talks and in my books, if, if Christmas is real, then woman's womb has literally become heaven on earth. Of course, there's an enemy that doesn't want heaven to come to earth, so he attacks woman's womb. He wants the place of life, the womb, to become a place of death. He wants to turn the womb into a tomb. But here's the good news. Here's the good news of the gospel. Christ has turned the tomb back into a womb, a place of life. This is our hope. This is where our sufferings lead us. They lead us to glory. Lord, open that way for us. Open that way to glory. Amen. 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 I'll share one one more reflection on this topic, and then uh, we may have to wrap up this episode uh, but I think we've covered some some very deep, profound things here, and I hope I hope it's food for thought for all the listeners out there. 
But one, one final thought on this mystery of woman's womb. Again, if, if Christmas is real, if it's not just a happy little scene that we, you know, we, we like to depict at Christmas time with our creches and our Christmas cards, but if this is real, if this really, really happened, if the word of God, the second person of the Trinity, really took flesh in a woman's womb, then woman's womb is the portal or the doorway or the gateway, if you will, that allowed entrance of God for God from heaven to earth. Wow. But it goes the other way too. It becomes the portal through which we are allowed entrance in the other direction. This is why one of Mary's titles in the language of the church is gate of heaven. Mm. Gate of heaven. Mary's womb becomes the place of encounter of God with man and of man with God. And I mean, of course, they're man in the inclusive sense. All of us. So much. No, not, not just so much. We can go even further. We can say the whole crux of the matter of the Christian faith coalesces, comes together, literally conceived in Mary's womb, in the womb of woman. It couldn't be more profound. And I find it very interesting, the name of the person who asked this question is Mary. Mm-hmm. That's pretty darn awesome. Yeah. We all, all women have Mary to go to in our times of feminine struggle. And yes. what, a, what a beautiful gift of her motherly companionship on our journey. Amen to that. Mary, Mary, show both men and women the glory of woman, what it means truly to be woman. Because there again, there we discover what it means to be human, to open to receive divine love, conceive divine love, and bear it forth. Then people will ask, well, if that's the theology of a woman's body, what's the theology of a man's body? If the theology of the woman's body is that of temple, of dwelling place of God, we can see in the theology of a man's body the reality of priestly sacrifice, the call to enter the temple, to enter the holy of holies, to make that ultimate sacrifice. The pouring out of male seed is the pouring out of his very lifeblood. Mm. These, are, these are profound mysteries. Lord, open our eyes so that we would see how awesome a mystery is revealed in our creation as male and female. If you are out there listening to this right now and you're thinking, oh my God, I have, ne- I have never thought about any of this when I've thought about, <laughs> you know, menstruating <laughs> or, or my own body as a man or, or what sexual relations are meant to be. Uh, you know, we don't tend to think, think in terms of the holy of holies and the priestly sacrifice, but this is what the biblical vision of our bodies really tells us. If you are interested in learning more about this, I urge you, I urge you to become part of our online community of people who are diving ever more deeply into this theology of the body. We'll leave a link in the show notes where you can learn more about becoming part of our patron community. Uh, We would invite you to support this work and in return, support us with whatever you can. And in return, we want to provide you with ongoing formation in this beautiful vision called Theology of the Body. Click that link 
in the show notes to learn more about the patron community. And uh, well, another thing I want to hold out to our listeners, we are having for the first time ever, if you yourself are a native Spanish speaker, or if you know people who are Spanish speaking and don't do so well with English, we are getting requests more and more and more to provide courses in Spanish. And we'll be offering our first course in Spanish taught by a dear friend, colleague, and former student of mine, Evan Lemoyne. We'll be offering this course in Texas in January. We'll leave also some information in the show notes about that. Uh, we are out of time for this episode, but we have enjoyed this little ride. That was unexpected. It that was. Went, that went pretty deep. It, it really did. Thank you. Thank you, Mary, for that question. And remember, remember always, it's written right in your body. You are an indispensable, irreplaceable, unrepeatable gift. Become what you are. Ask Christopher West comes to you from the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione and production by Sounder and Key. Christopher and Wendy hope the information presented is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you're going through serious difficulty, you can find a list of trusted counselors and psychologists in the show notes. Oh my gosh, he really is green! <laughs> <laughs> 